Our main Bible reading is 1 Corinthians 7, which in the Church Bibles is 955. <coughs> 1 Corinthians 7, I'm going to read the whole chapter starting at verse 1. says this. Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again, so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now as a concession, not a command, I say this. I wish it all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it's good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it's better to marry than to be aflame with passion. To the married, I give this charge, not I but the Lord. The wife should not separate from her husband. And if she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And the husband should not divorce his wife. To the rest, I say, I, not the Lord. But if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. Wife, how do you know whether you will save your husband? Husband, how do you know whether you will save your wife? Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. We were slave when called. Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain the freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who is called in the Lord is a slave. As a, sorry, for he who is called in the Lord as a slave is a freedman of the Lord. Likewise, he was, he was free when called as a slave of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. So, brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. Now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. 
Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you've not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as those they have live as though they had none, and those who warn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are undivided. And the unmarried or or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone thinks he is not behaving properly towards his betrothed, if his passions are strong and it has to be, let him do as he wishes. Let them marry, it is no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity but having his desire under control, and has determined this in his heart to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then, he who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she's free to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. Yet in my judgment, she's happier if she remains as she is. I think that I too have the Spirit of God. Well, do keep that text open. We're going to be uh, looking at that in the next few minutes. Just to say there is an outline of where we're going in your service sheet, so do make use of that as you see fit. And also at the end um, of the talk, there will be an opportunity to ask any questions or comments either about what I've said or um, something in the text. So I mention that now so you can have that in mind as we go through. But before we go any further, let's pray and ask for God's help. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the God who does not change and that you remain truthful, good and sovereign over us. And therefore we pray, please, as we uh, reflect on your word, help us to be those who vindicate your character in our response to your word. Help us to uh, listen to it because it's true, to trust it because you're good and to obey you because you are rightly sovereign over us. Amen. As we reflect on our personal circumstances, it's not uncommon for someone to think either, I will serve God when, or I, will, I would serve God if only, so I will serve God once I've got my new job. I would serve God if only I had my own house. I will serve God if only I had financial security. 
or I will serve God when I get married or when I have children. I will serve God when I am older. There are a number of possible assumptions that lie behind uh, these kind of statements. For example, we want to be like others. We lack contentment. We're seeking these things over and above the kingdom of God. We think that a change in our circumstances will help us to serve God more effectively. Sometimes there are those who think so poorly of their status that they find difficulty seeing it as a place in which to live out their calling as believers. The standard formula begins, oh, I'm just a... As we continue in our study of 1 Corinthians, we begin today a new section in Paul's letter. So in chapters 1 to 6, Paul engaged with the reports that he had heard about the Corinthian church. But from chapter 7, Paul turned to address the matters that the Corinthians had written to him about. And these matters will be the subject for the rest of the letter. And the matter that Paul uh, began with addressed celibacy in marriage. Have a look at chapter 7, verse 1. Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it's good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. Now, Paul was not addressing marriage per se, but celibate marriages. The quotation opened up the view that it was not good to have sex in marriage. And the quotation is to be seen as a quotation from the Corinthians letter. Here is another expression of their spirituality with its negative attitude towards the material world, the physical, and the body. And Paul said the reason why Christians should not abstain from sex in marriage was, verse 2, because of sexual immorality. It's possible that because some husbands were being deprived of sexual relations, verse 5, that they were going to the prostitutes we read about last week in chapter 6, verse 14. I take it then that what Paul is saying is that there should be enough sex within marriage to satisfy each partner. It's not normal to deprive each other, but exceptional. And then it's by agreement on both sides, only for a limited time, and for good reason, to devote yourself to prayer. But they're then to come together again, lest they be exposed to this moral danger. Now, in verses 6 to 16, Paul addresses three different groups. And for each group, he provides a command or good judgment and then a concession. So in verses uh, 8 to 9, he addressed the unmarried widowers and widows. 
These aren't the unmarried in general, but the demarried. In this case, the good judgment was to stay unmarried. Whereas the concession was that if sexual pressure was great, then remarry. Verse 10 to 11, Paul addressed the married. In this case, the command was that they must not separate. The concession was that if they separate, they must remain unmarried or be reconciled. And then in verses 12 to 16, he addressed those who are married to unbelievers. The command was not to divorce, for the marriage is sanctified. The concession was that if the believing spouse leaves them, then they're to let them go, for they do not know if they will save them. Now, there's a lot going on here. But notice the one principle that Paul appears to be applying. Stay in your situation, except. The issue was not whether to get married or not, but rather pressure to dissolve marriages or abstain from sexual relations in marriage given what they were saying in chapter 7, verse 1. Now this leads us nicely on to verses 17 to 24, because it's here that Paul gave the guiding principle. It's repeated three times in this section. It's what this section starts with, what this section concludes with. Namely, that they were to live out their Christian lives in the situation where God called them. Let me show you. Chapter 7, verse 17. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Then jump a few verses to verse 20. See the same idea. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. And then jump to the end of that section, verse 24. So, brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. Remain in the situation that you are in, is Paul's guiding principle. Now, it would appear that under the Corinthian slogan, it's good, uh, chapter 7, verse 1, it's good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, that the Corinthian Christians were seeking to change their present status. That as believers, they saw this as conforming to the more spiritual existence that they had already attained. Yet Paul's guiding principle was remain in the situation that you are in. Now, Paul illustrated his guiding principles in two ways. First, he uses the idea of circumcision and uncircumcision. According to Paul, it's keeping God's commands and not circumcision was what was important. No one's better off in one condition or the other. Social setting had no religious significance. 
And how better to illustrate that than the one mark of social distinction that had religious significance, but did so no more. Circumcision. Second, he uses the idea of slave and free. Now here, Paul isn't saying, stay as you are, but don't let it trouble you. Your identity in Christ transcends your situation. So Paul's point was not that one must stay where one was when called. Rather, whatever your situation you're in, in the time of your calling, don't let that be a concern to you. Change may occur, but one's calling in Christ means that change is unnecessary and certainly not to be a compulsion. Now, it's from verse 25 that Paul now turned to the matter of the betrothed. And it would seem that the young betrothed women, who, with their fiancés, were being pressured by the spiritualism of the Corinthian church, and were now wondering themselves whether to go through with the marriage. At this point, you get a little bit of an insight as to what, it, what might be going on, because it may be that the Corinthian slogans came with such force that the betrothed thought they would sin against the spirit if they consummated their marriages. Now, Paul actually says there uh, were good reasons for the betrothed not to marry. But that was because of the present distress. Have a look at chapter 7, verse 26. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. So it's interesting. The Corinthian Christians think that the unmarried should stay as they are because it's more spiritual. Yet Paul was urging them on a wholly different uh, worldview. It's because of the present distress that the betrothed may wish to remain single. But being single or married in itself is not the crucial question. What's important is in either situation, one lives as though not. That is to say, without one's relationship to the world as the determining factor. And Paul was saying that the unusually difficult circumstances in Corinth mean that staying single was advisable, at least for the time being. And so I take it that the wisdom of marrying will take into account the stability of our situation. Important decisions, if taken wisely, will take into consideration what's going on around us. That said, there were circumstances in which a change would be called for. The circumstances for change had to do with lacking self-control, having strong passions and behaving improperly, verse 36. But, from Paul's point of view, given their present situation, he who does not marry her will do even better. But not because one situation is inherently better than the other. That's precisely what he has argued against throughout. You've got to go back to verse 26 to find out what makes it better. 
is because of the present distress. Church is a mix of people in a range of diverse circumstances, and it can be tempting to look at uh, others and think, if only I was in their situation, life would be so much easier. And what we've considered this morning challenges that kind of attitude. Because in many ways, change in this world isn't really change at all. The change that we're we value is not in place or circumstance, but holiness, change in who we are seeking to please. See, whether we're married or we're single, it matters if we sin. You can be single and holy, you can be married and holy. And what matters is that we're devoted to living for God. I take it that most of the time, the things that we might want to change are the things that don't really matter. Rather, we're to get serving now and focus on our own holiness. Let me pray and then I'll open up to any questions or comments you might have. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the way that Paul continues to help uh, evaluate the wisdom of the world with the wisdom of God. And while the wisdom of the world uh, might uh, create a spirituality where uh, one set of circumstances is thought um, more holy, more desirable, more um, uh, puts us in a better position where we can um, serve you. And we thank you that as he brings uh, the wisdom of God to bear, that we uh, find that actually... um, we're to learn in whatever situation that we're in to serve you. And pray, therefore, that we would be um, less concerned with changing our circumstances, but that uh, in the situations that we're in, that we'd be all the more eager to uh, get going and serve you now. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I mentioned at the start, there's an opportunity now for questions or comments. That time has arrived. Let's give you a moment. Anyone like to ask a question or make a comment? Yeah. Yeah, no, fair enough. Thanks, Susie. Just for the recording then, um, verse 29 to 30, uh, 31, let's say, 
Um, Paul talks about living as um, if you're married as though you weren't married. Um, surely doesn't mean you just pretend that you're not married. So kind of what's going on, that kind of thing. In fact, let me just read, let me read from verse 25 to 31 just to get the flow. So it says, now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress, it's good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you've not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she's not sinned. Yeah, those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had not no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. So just to begin with, let's just step back for a moment. Because I think one thing it's always good to have in mind when we read the letters is to appreciate that they are um, what we call occasional letters. By occasional letters, it doesn't mean there's only a few of them, but that they are written out of an occasion that's going on um, in here within the Corinthian church. And so... We mustn't read the letters as if this is Paul's chapter on relationships. Um, it will have implications for how we think about relationships, but he's not writing it in that way. It's not a textbook. He's got a very particular set of situations, this occasion that he's responding to. And that helps us to understand what he's saying. Because as you rightly said, Susie, you could just read that, you know, um, uh, um, what does it say? Verse 28. Um, so verse 29. Let those who have wise live as though they had none. And you just think, okay, if you just take that at face value, what are the implications of that? It's just, you know, ignore your spouse. Um, please yourself. So, and we kind of think it can't mean that, you know, the, the brakes are on because we're just thinking, well, that would contradict the rest of the Bible and we're trying to read the Bible for unity. But the way to sort it out is to, is to think through why Paul is saying that, why he's saying it this way. And it goes back to one of the things we looked at last week. And this is the idea that these are new Christians and they've still got a lot of rethinking to do because a lot of their Christianity has been... Um, informed by how they used to think before they became Christians. And particularly, if you go back to chapter 7, verse uh, 13, we've got one of their slogans again, that food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. And so what you've got here is um, Christians who are thinking that actually to be spiritual is to be non-physical. So they're making distinction between the physical and the spiritual. And that actually, because the physical is going to be destroyed by God, um, actually to be spiritual is to be, um, is apart from what happens in the physical. Now, just as an aside, one of the interesting things about this is, is that it can actually create some two quite contradictory behaviours. 
Because on the one hand, if you think that to be spiritual is to be not physical, then on the one hand, what happens in the physical doesn't matter. It's not spiritual. So you can go with prostitutes. But on the other hand, you could think, actually, if spiritual is not physical, then actually you shouldn't do anything in the physical because that's not spiritual. And therefore you abstain from sexual relations. So you've got this really weird thing where we might have a spectrum where we have promiscuity over here, so it's, um, going with prostitutes, no sexual activity here with abstaining, and there's some kind of, you know, uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, what's the word? Help me out. Uh, spectrum. That's it. Thank you, Ricky. A spectrum like this. But actually, no, he says that both abstaining from sexual relations in marriage and going to prostitutes are all fruit from the same wrong thinking that actually the, the physical is non-spiritual. So it's kind of interesting that actually yeah, to understand the behaviours, we need to go back to the sort of actually what, what the thinking is because actually the, the, the bad fruits are so different, you know, it, it's not obvious what they kind of come from. So with that going on, what they'd, so that's a bit of a thing going back to this chapter on um, marriage and singleness, Susie, is it seems to be the case that they are saying at this point, or he's responding in the letters, that to be more spiritual is to abstain from sexual relations. Um, so it's, it's more spiritual to, um, to not be married, more spiritual to abstain from sex within marriage, that kind of thing. That's where they're going. And what Paul's wanting to do, his big message is, whatever situation you're in, um, it doesn't really matter. And actually, you can be spiritual in the true sense of spiritual in, in whatever situation that you are in. So that's why he's saying, remain in your situation, remain in a situation where God called you, that's not to say that you, you can't change, but it's just it's trying to relativize the different situations that we're in. Is that, uh, actually, that's not really a, an issue of are you spiritual or not, but it's actually to then live spiritual lives in these different situations we're in, whether we're single or married. So I take it, so finally getting to your question. So when he says, um, let those who have wives live as though they had none, those who mourn as though they were not mourning, those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, those who buy as though they had no goods, those who deal as if they had no dealings with the world. I take it this is his way of basically trying to relativise those things and saying that actually those things aren't the defining, um, ultimately aren't the defining um circumstances of your life um, and he goes on to say that in the end of verse 31 4 the present form of this world is passing away so that kind of relativizes the different circumstances that we're in because they're not ultimately going to last anyway so I think I think you're absolutely right Susie just to think yeah well here he's not saying if you're married live as though you weren't married but he is saying you know don't don't think to be married is to be more spiritual than to be single, or to be single is more spiritual than to be married. And therefore, don't let those become the defining um, 
in our minds. Yeah. Is that, which kind of goes back to the whole kind of message of this morning of what, learning to serve God in whatever situation that we're in, that we're not waiting to be married, we're not waiting to be in this situation, we're not waiting to finish our degree, we're not waiting to be grown up if we're kids in order to get serving God, that we can do it in the situation that we're in. Because the situation we're in isn't, isn't the determining factor. Does that, Happy? Anybody else? Nikki. Yeah, good question. So, um, what's the present distress? Um, go on, and then, um, why is that reason to remain as you are? And if the messages remain where you are, why is he bringing in the present distress? Okay, yes. So, okay. Uh, First question is easy. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know what the present distress is. Um, now, I think the reason that he's well, it's, again, it's interesting. I suppose what he's because um, you could, if he didn't bring in the present distress, he could just say, "Remain where you are." But he, he's still saying, actually. Um, well, no, it's interesting though because when he says remain where you are, interestingly, with the situation with the slaves, he does say if you can gain freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. But basically, I think it's more the idea of don't let the situation that you're in concern you or be of ultimate concern. So, in that sense, again, it goes back to if what's been said is that it's to remain as you are is to be less spiritual and therefore to change your circumstance you can you can become more spiritual then in that sense you just relax you know you're in the situation you're in you're in the situation that god called you in you know that's just take you can serve god there don't 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 let that concern you particularly people saying you should be concerned about that and that's something that you ought to change so i think that's 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 what's going on the present distress thing, I think, is interesting. And if you haven't got this yet, I think, um, as a younger man, you know, when you read, well, a younger Christian, sorry, when you read things like, uh, where's the bit where he says, better? Oh, here we go, verse 38. Uh, so when he who marries his betrothed as well, but he who refrains from marriage will do even better. If you just take that as an isolated statement, you suddenly think, like, singleness is better than marriage. So someone says, oh, we're getting married. It's like, oh, well, okay, you can, you can settle for second best and actually the single person is in the better situation. But that's where you have to go back to when Paul says better, you've got to go back to verse 26 to see why it's better and it's the present distress. And I think what he's doing is, is again, he's helping us to develop godly wisdom because he's... He's not simply saying, well, because if the people are saying, or if there's pressure on 
the betrothed not to get married because the Corinthian spirituality says actually the body's nothing, therefore you're going to compromise yourself if you kind of get involved in these bodily um, relationships. He's saying that's wrong thinking, but then he is prepared to say, but there may be reasons why you don't want to get married because of the present distress. And it may be that Paul is already, it's another thing, Paul may, they may actually be trying to champion Paul because Paul was single, so they might kind of think, well, actually, Paul was single, therefore, if you want to be spiritual, be like Paul. Paul may have already advised them in the present distress, there's good judgment not to get married, but they might have just, again, I don't, we don't know who's speculating, they may have twisted that and just said, Paul seems to think it's better not to get married, but to be single. And he's saying, oh, no, no, let me tell you why. And my reason is totally different from the reason that the Corinthian church is giving. And this is because of the present distress, whether that be a, a war or famine or... It's basically something which just means that now is not the time to start a new family, that kind of thing. So I think that's what's, what's going on. Is that, does that answer all three? Yeah, cool. Great. Time for one more. Go on, Josh. Um, yeah, just really quickly. So verse, um, verse 10, when Paul says to the married, I give this charge, not I, the Lord. Yes. And verse 12, the rest I say, I, not Lord. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yep. Good. Yeah, that is. We can sort that out. That's a short one. So I say that. Let's just see. <laughs> verse. So verse. We're recording verse ten. Uh, Paul says to the married, "I give this charge, but not I, but the Lord." And then verse twelve, it says, "To the rest, I say." I, not the Lord, and so on. And so there's a distinction between, appears to be a distinction between what the Lord says, the Lord Jesus says, and then what Paul says. And then thinking like, again, your instincts are spot on with like Susie thinking like, surely we're not going to have like, you know, what Jesus says is, you know, that's slightly better. And what Paul says is a bit more optional. There isn't that division. Um, and you're right. Um, so again, good instincts. If we want to give some reasons why, on the one hand, if you go back down to verse 40, it says, yet in my judgment, she's happy if she remains as she is, and I think I too have the Spirit of God. So Paul, as he's speaking, you know, he's, he is an apostle. He's speaking with the authority of Christ. He has the Spirit of God. So there's no sense in which he's, he himself is distinguishing ultimately his word from the word of Jesus in terms of it's it's um, it's it's the word of God. Um, I think the reason why he's making this qualification is because the Lord Jesus actually spoke on this topic, and so I think a few references would be Matthew nineteen will be one, and there are others too, um, where actually Jesus spoke about the issue of. Of, of, of marriage and so in the one hand he's he's just saying oh actually Jesus actually spoke about this and this is what he said and then he goes on to say oh, Jesus didn't speak about this but 
But no, I'm, I'm speaking about this. So I think the distinction he's making is not in authority. It's a distinction between whether or not Jesus had previously taught on it. Um, so I think that's what's going on. And again, that may well be to do with the occasion of, of the letter. Maybe, they're, maybe you know, they're, they're aware of the things that Jesus spoke and he's just helping them to see, yeah, Jesus said uh, these things, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm further bringing insight as to what the wisdom of God is in this topic. Yeah, cool. Great. All right, we'll leave it there. Um, we are going to, well, I say leave it there. That's just to start. So hopefully, one of the things we find with uh, the question time is that that will stimulate um, further conversations throughout the day, and we will be able to edify one another with these truths. Well, we're going to sing now our next song, um, which is a song of, of contentedness. I think one of the reasons why we can be content um, about remaining in our situation is because of uh, what we have um, in the gospel. So um, do consider the words as we sing, um, my heart is filled with thankfulness and the reasons why.